Hello and welcome to Super Talk. My name is Spiros. And I'm Kim. And we're here to talk about Supergirl episode five? Five. five. Uh, title of this episode is called Crossfire. And uh, this one was kind of amusing. It starts off with a little Supergirl slash Mon El montage. But before we get into that, we need our Kim rating on the episode. What'd you think? It's better. It's better? It's better. <laughs> I laughed. You laughed. I did too. What'd you think of that opening montage? Uh, montage. <laughs> I, yeah. Every time I see a montage, I go South back to the Park. South Park. Yep, yeah. the South Park movie. And they do a whole, we've got to have a montage. Uh, so I can't see a montage in a show or a movie without thinking of that uh-huh. and, and the mocking of the montage. This one was cute. I mean, you know. Monel, a.k.a. Mike Matthews. Yeah, that's his last name. Is that his last name? I have a cold, so that's, yeah, I sound like weirdo-ness. But anyway, um, yeah, it's cute. Um, Kara gives him a haircut using her heat vision, and then he mows on a stack of pancakes. That was kind of funny. (laughs) She, like, she... She's like, do you want syrup? And before she even got it out, he's like eating them all. Yeah, and when she says a stack of pancakes, this it's is huge. like like 10 or 12 pancakes stacked up. He picks it up like a giant monster Decker sandwich and just starts eating it. And and she hasn't even brought the syrup out to the table. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, it was cute. Yeah. The, the whole montage was sort of... I actually, in my notes, I wrote down the Clarkification of, of Mon-El. Mm-hmm. But really what it was was, you know... Kara turning Monel into the male version of her, and she's the female version of Clark. So in a way, it was the Clarkification of Monel. And I think it was the um, writers, you know, finally realizing that we want more comedy. You know? Yeah, I think they were personally listening to our podcast, <laughs> and they're like, "Hey, let's give it to them." Because they haven't filled this a long time ago. Or <laughs> right, of course. Uh-huh. No, but you're right. I mean this this he, this episode was much more even. In terms of, you know, the humor, but also the seriousness of everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, one of the other things I enjoyed about the clarification is after they eat breakfast, they go to CatCo and, um, you know, oh, actually, it's before they even go to CatCo. um, Supergirl's, Kara, Kara's giving him his papers, all of his fake identity stuff, Um, which, again, is kind of interesting because we have the Alien Amnesty Act which in theory allows these people to live openly or not openly as um, aliens, but to have full rights and citizenship. And yet Monel is being supplied with a fake social security mm-hmm. number, a fake name, a fake ID. And in giving all the paperwork, Kara says, and soon you'll get your FICO score, which which I thought was a, a fun and funny little moment and a dig at, you know, the importance of credit scores in our lives, which are sadly far more important than I think they should be. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, that I thought was, was again, this whole Alien Amnesty Act thing is just really got me wondering because it, it's obviously the crux of this season, this whole aliens versus the humans kind of theme and, and Cadmus, which we'll get to in a bit. But before we get to that, uh, Supergirl takes Monel to work. His first day on the job, she's got him a job as an intern at CatCo. And... Yep. Everyone works at CatCo. Everyone works at CatCo. Um, we, we've talked about in the past how we need more win. I had completely forgotten about Miss Tessmacher. Yeah, me too. And I'm a little surprised because Miss Tessmacher was Cat's uh, replacement assistant for Kara. 
Kara, I always say it wrong. And and I didn't realize that she just transferred over to Jimmy, which makes sense. Yeah. But now that I know she's still around, we need way more Miss mm. Hessmacher. Like, I, way more. Mm, I disagree with that. Well, better written. Okay, that's fine. Because, <laughs> yeah, they just get there and Miss Hessmacher looks at him and you see the lust in her eyes and... I, eh. If that's all she's there for is a booty call. Yeah, I hope that's not what, all they do with her. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, she was immediately like in Lost after Monel, uh, and if that's all they do, that's really weak and really one dimensional. But as a character, I hope they do more with her, and I see her as as a, another way to add some levity to the stories in general. But but it doesn't have to be done in a one dimensional way. I hope not. I hope not too. I agree. So basically, the, this is the further Clarkification slash carification of Monel. She takes him to work. He's got an intern job. She's talking about what her first intern job was like, and and she's basically trying to get him to be the new version of her. And and he's not having it. I mean, you can see that he's trying. He's but, not even trying. But he's not really even trying. <laughs> you know, he he he's just you know being... that part amused me actually because he's like you know he's like here's the bribery coffee and you know he's like my name is mike and then he recites his social security number and then he's like why did i memorize that fake information then you know yeah. like, if i can't tell anyone my social security number so i mean to me that was amusing because mm-hmm. i mean he just showed how stupid everything is when it comes to social interaction <laughs> that's why Very i think i really so. liked it yeah yeah he yeah he just you know broke all the social conventions which i agree that was a really really excellently done scene i think and i don't remember exactly what um mike monel said to jimmy but basically like even he couldn't believe that jimmy was the boss there you know and that I, yeah he's like i expected somebody more I, I can't remember if the word was intimidating, but basically he expected the boss to be somebody like big and impressive that you might fear and be dominating. And Jimmy is just kind of Jimmy, mm-hmm. you know. And and like you said, I mean, he's he is no cat, right? Like he, which is fine. Not everyone needs to be. Yeah, cat. and they've completely removed um, from this episode, at least, you know any any sort of cat slash mentorship role and we've talked about how in the previous episode snapper was kind of taking that over but we We didn't didn't have any snapper Snapper. yeah he was mentioned once yeah uh but but kara being a reporter didn't really have basically any bearing on this episode at all um you know the fact that she quote-unquote works at catco was just you know i mean she didn't work at all today no (laughs) today i say you know in this episode (laughs) But uh, so we cut from that scene and we we end up at the bar. And I don't know if it's the alien bar or just a bar. I, I thought, thought it was the, it was alien, the alien bar, bar. But, but it's not clear. Either way, we have Maggie and Alex playing pool at the alien bar. And we learn almost immediately that Maggie broke up with a girlfriend. Actually, Maggie's girlfriend oh, yeah. broke up with her. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the Malik's ship is still alive. Yeah. And uh, that was the first thing that was the first thing I thought of when she said that. And of course, you knew they were going to do that. I mean, the, the, the I didn't think it was going to be so soon. I didn't think it was going to be I that thought soon it'd be either. A couple episodes down the road. Yeah, I was I was a little Not surprised. Like second scene in, right? At how quick it went. Um, but clearly, you know, the heavy foreshadowing that and. and you know, quote unquote hints that Alex is into Maggie mm-hmm. uh, are are confirmed in this episode. 
and and everything is going to move in that direction. I think that's very very obvious, and and that's confirmed by the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's basically Maggie is you know she's broken up, she's upset, um, and and then that whole scene really only served to give us the information that she broke up with her girlfriend because that's basically all that happened. They're playing pool. Yeah. She says they broke up, and then she's like, "Well, Alex is like, you want to do something?" She was kind of like pestering her to do something, right? But um, Maggie didn't want to. Yeah, because she was depressed, which, you know, was understandable. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, towards the end, Alex is like, feel better. Yeah, that <laughs> like, was such a weird what? parting. Maggie's taking off. She's she's Maggie says something along the lines like, I need to go back to my apartment and drink something much heavier and basically get wrecked. Yeah. And and she's walking away and Alex is like, feel better. <laughs> and that, I love that because that sort of encapsulated the perfect awkwardness yeah. of um, the fact that Alex clearly feels something for Maggie, but doesn't know what, but doesn't know what yet. or how to express it, maybe exactly, yeah. yeah. So that was sort of like re reestablishing the awkward social interactions that Monel was just tearing down, which was which was which was funny, which yeah. was good. So then we go to Jimmy and Kara walking down the road. Yeah, this again, like every scene has an injection of humor in it that I think yeah, worked really it well was throughout the whole thing. So we've got Jimmy and Kara, like she said, are taking a walk. They're literally just walking down the road. In fact, what it was was at the end of that scene where um, she drops Monel off at work. You know, they walk into Jimmy's office and and Monel's like, "Sorry, I didn't. I don't have any bribery coffee for you." <laughs> <laughs> and Jimmy's like, "That's fine. I was just gonna get go get my own." And so. Car, car joined him for that and this car like just squeals up and 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 tears into the spot and these guys in in ski masks jump out mm-hmm. and and there's a great line that Kara utters here oh something like seriously right in front of supergirl i almost feel bad for him yeah and they were in front of a bank wasn't that what it was i believe it was a bank yeah, yeah. so she you know car disappears and um Supergirl drops him, mm-hmm. and immediately he's getting her her butt kicked by these giant guns that shoot blue things. Yeah, so these guys have non-human guns, although we don't actually initially know that. We just know that they're not like regular projectile weapons. They shoot, you know, blue beams and red beams and weird beams and whatever. And in fact, one of the the guns is some sort of an anti-gravity gun oh, that yeah. levitates a cop car like into the uh, into Earth orbit and Supergirl has to go up and like get the cop out of the car and save him. So that that was an interesting Was that scene. this scene or was that later on? No, that was in this scene. Uh, and it, but oh no, maybe no, it was, was later on. I apologize. Thing. So that's a later that's on okay. scene. Yeah. But what was important about this scene is uh, as yeah as as Supergirl the 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 girl of steel who can fly who can shoot energy energy beams out of her eyes leap single you know buildings in a single bound. she's getting her butt handed to her and yet it's Jimmy who like beats down beats down a couple of these guys like he just you know he cold cocks a couple of these guys. But um, then he gets beat down and yeah. kicked in the face. Yeah, and, he gets beat yeah. down too. But, I mean, he's more effective than Supergirl yeah. here. And now, I mean, it's worth pointing out that that just having powers doesn't make you an effective superhero, right? And that's obviously something that is a problem with superhero shows in general, right? Because you have somebody like Supergirl. And, I mean, in theory, with super speed and her super strength Speed-vision. and her super everything else... It, she literally should have just been able to run circles around these guys, take the guns away from them in a heartbeat, and be done with it, right? It seems like, though, every time she starts fighting, like, it takes her time to get her momentum going. 
to me. I mean, if you look back at past fights, yeah. you know. Oh. I mean, but that's a pro- that's a problem. I mean, we have to, I guess, you know, realistically speaking, it's it's implausible that anybody could do anything and and Super Bowl couldn't just take care of them. Same with like the Flash, right? I mean, this is diverting off topic a little bit, but like the Flash is the fastest man alive, right? Anybody with any kind of, of a weapon should stand no chance whatsoever against Flash because it, it should literally take him micro milliseconds, you know, fractions of fractions of fractions of time to just go and take the weapon away from the people who are wielding it. Mm-hmm. And, and if not, he'll just go back in time and fix it, but make it worse. <laughs> well, that, that's a whole nother oh, yeah. podcast, right? Uh-huh. But in terms of Supergirl, I mean, she's just about as fast. They race, right? So there's no mm-hmm. reason she shouldn't just be able to take these guns away. But instead, she's getting her butt kicked. Jimmy puts a little beat down. They beat him down. And then they jump in their car and drive away. Uh, and they run over Jimmy's dad's camera. Busting it up into pieces, mm-hmm. and this is this is obviously significant. And um, it is, but at the same time, I'm like he's not a photographer anymore. He runs a giant corporation. <laughs> so, so what was he doing with matter? his camera anyway? Exactly. Right? Yeah, but but Jimmy getting in on this fight is is foreshadowing the fact that he's going to become the guardian, mm-hmm. which we already talked about a little bit. Yes. So we cut from this scene back to the DEO, and uh, Wynn is doing you know. Typey, typey magic. To, even to, ty- I think he was looking at a screen. Yeah, he? it was on a screen. But basically, he was doing you know the the TV show version of I will use some sort of computery resources mm-hmm. to find the answer to the thing we need so that we can move the story forward. Uh, which is that they were using an Andranian. I don't even know how to say it. Yeah, and uh, a photon cannon. And um, those aliens are purple with gills. Yeah, and they were humans. So they're trying to figure, like, where do these guns come from? They're clearly not human tech, but humans are wielding them. And uh, and they shoot phased moon particles, which should be a way to detect the guns. Uh, and and we jump from that. We're still in the DEO. Yeah, right? but, but they're having this discussion, and all of a sudden, boom, we have an anonymous-style takeover of all of the television screens in the DEO, and presumably all the television screens in National City, yeah. perhaps the nation. We don't know how far and wide it was spread, but it's this sort of just like almost like a mannequin-looking head mm-hmm. with a, a staticky kind of background and an anonymous-style sort of you know voice-modulated voice. Um, ranting about how the aliens are terrible and and they're a bad influence. They have evil guns and and they they have evil die. guns. Yeah, and everybody's gonna die. And this was, in my opinion, this is one of the worst moments in the in the episode yeah. because after the message, uh, they speculate. They're talking about how oh, it's convenient that this message comes out right after, you know, these guys showed up with these alien guns. And then Supergirl, like, has this epiphany, not if Cadmus is giving them the guns. (laughs) I mean... Duh, right? <laughs> like that was the worst. That was the worst part of the show of bad. the episode, and and that wasn't a terrible, you know, point. But it was the worst part of this episode. Like mm-hmm. I was just like facepalm, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Anyway, it's totally not coincidence. And and from here we cut to a Catco uh, editorial meeting. Yeah. And Jimmy is is one of the guys there. He goes on a rant and he's yeah. like, you know, ray guns are bad, and because America and guns and Second Amendment and stuff. <laughs> And then Jimmy's like, okay, enough. Let's we got this newspaper. Let's put the baby to bed and get on right. with our lives. But I think you know the the point of that whole scene there, at least the starting point of that scene was was here. You have a regular human being guy who is freaking out over the fact that we have alien weapons out here mm-hmm. and aliens are bad. 
Uh, so we're kind of back to that simplistic trope, um, which is what, you know, in theory, Cadmus is trying to do. So the, the seeds of fear, because Cadmus is just running a propaganda campaign with this. This mm -hmm. is confirmed later on. But I mean, with Supergirl's epiphany, you know, that that's what we've established. Um, but from this point, you know, like like you said, they, they wrap up the meeting. And, <laughs> and, and But before that, before you go where you go, and Jimmy's mm -hmm. pretty nonchalant about it all. You know, Supergirl's talking to him where Kara is. And, and he's like, uh, whatever, you and the DEO will figure it out. You know, it's like, to me that it seemed weird at that point because if he's all gung-ho superhero guy, you know, why Why is he just being so nonchalant? Why isn't he like, hey, I'll help you? Maybe he was being nonchalant because... He doesn't want them he doesn't want that. them to know that he's doing what he's about to do because mm -hmm. he's gonna he's keeping it on the down low basically because he didn't talk to Kara about this at no, all he's Wynn. only talked to Win uh, and that's only because Win confronted him about it <laughs> which we'll get to uh, but um, you know after after we get this gun discussion we have we do have the, that that bit about Jimmy and then the mm -hmm. other thing is Jimmy actually does a little um, you know talking about how he's feeling useless behind yeah. this desk, right? So everything that Jimmy is doing is clearly pointing towards he not being fulfilled, mm -hmm. right? And that's kind of the whole theme of this episode, right? Is, re is, is these individuals sort of realizing themselves and reaching their, their potentials, or at least finding the path to reach their potential. Mm -hmm. uh, and Jimmy's feeling useless behind the desk. So we wrap that up and... Uh, <laughs> And we see Miss Tessmacher like walking with this giant stack of files, and uh, and we're trying to figure out what's going on here. And Kara finds out pretty quickly that Monel um, is gave using his yeah gave his work off to Miss Tessmacher, who seemed willing and more than happy to do it because she was totally crushing on him. Mm -hmm. And to him, to 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 Monel, this seemed like a perfectly perfectly reasonable thing to do. Uh, so he's sitting at his desk, he's got his feet up, and he's eating red vines. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes on to say, you know, Kara's like, why are you making her do that? And he's like, undax him when a woman wants to please. And then Kara's like, stop whatever you're about to say. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that that's another reason why Miss Tessmacher isn't amusing me. You know, I I don't know. I She's... She's a wuss. I don't like Well, her. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I totally agree with your point. Um, I will say that she is basically playing a similar role to the role that the original Miss Tessmacher played in the original Superman movie, right? Yeah, I mean, she was Luther. she was Lex Lex's secretary eye candy slash, slash, you know, bimbo, for yeah. lack of a better word, slash secretary. And I don't like using that word. But, I mean, you know, that's the, that gives you kind of the idea. Um, and, office and assistant. Office assistant, right? <laughs> and... It doesn't have to be that way, especially because in the Superman movie, you know, Miss Tessmacher comes around and she actually uh, helps Superman and mm -hmm. betrays Lex, essentially. And, you know, and, and she's given some personality and and some more depth than just being Lex Luthor's eye candy. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully they do the same thing with this Miss Tessmacher. But Lena walks in. Lena Luthor walks in. She's looking for uh, Kara. Mm -hmm. Because she wants Kara to come to her gala fundraiser uh, that she's about to, to have. And she says to Kara, you're literally my only friend in National City. And this is interesting, if uh, a little bit sad, um, you know, for Luther. I mean, Luthers are generally bad in the canon. So I, I'm not sure what Lena's path is. I know no, you want her to evil. be bad. You want her to be evil. 
I mean, I see that, but I kind of hope that she, I do hope that she's not evil just because it's too easy, in my opinion, to have the the direct female parallels to all the traditional Superman characters, yeah. right? I mean, Supergirl is, is Superman in a female version. If Lena is yeah. the the, the female just, version of Lex, then yeah. to me that's too easy and too boring. That makes sense, but I I love the evil bad characters. And <laughs> I know there's just not one. Yeah, it's I mean there's Cadmus, whatever, blah blah blah. But I eh, it's not doing anything for me. Yeah, I mean we haven't had her aunt. I liked as a villain mm-hmm. because she was. A, com- a more complex villain, right? Yeah. She wasn't a one note. She wasn't just, I'm bad because I'm bad. I mean, yeah. she had her reasons. motivations. She had reasons. And, and in her mind, I mean, all villains in general think they're doing right. Yeah. I mean, but she she had this idea that what she was going to do was going to help people, even though it was in a totally, you know, terrible way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, at, with her being gone as a villain... Cadmus so far, I agree, is not a, an amazing villain no. at all, you know, as an entity or, or even with what they're doing. And I mean, I think the reason why I like Lex Luthor as a villain so much is because he's a smart villain. He's right. intelligent. Yes. You know, it's not all just like brawn. Yeah. You know, he's got the brains. Yeah. That, that's what I really like about that. Yeah. But when you're watching that part, um, watch um, Lana, Lena, Lana, Lena, Lena. <laughs> I'm just going to say Luthor. Watch Luthor. <laughs> Um, the way she's looking at Kara and like she's biting her lip and I mean sometimes people bite lips when they you know are asking questions and you're kind of unsure what the person's going to answer. Think she's crushing? I don't know. Something, maybe I just got lesbians on the brain. I have no idea. But it's looking to me it looked a little bit. It could be. It could know. be? It could be. That's something I didn't notice. That's something that I would be very interested in. Interested yeah. in. That would make for a really interesting relationship. Especially if she turns evil. <laughs> <laughs> but if she turns evil, yeah. I mean, if okay, so if Lena goes evil, then we're we have potentially have a mirroring of the Clark slash Lex relationship that existed in the Smallville TV show, right? Yeah. I mean, they weren't obviously boyfriend boyfriend. They were good friends. They were though. good friends though. But Lex also was in a lot of ways. He was a more complex character in Smallville. He wasn't just a villain. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't necessarily a good guy, but he wasn't necessarily he felt bad, bad guy. sometimes. Right, and, right. Um, It'd be interested. I mean, I don't think they are, but if Kara and Luther, Lana, Lena, 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 why can I not remember that? I don't know. If they do to get together and then like later on, Lex gets out of prison for some reason, you know, and those two are good and he's evil, you know, that could be an interesting dynamic. Right, but, right. Yeah. So she invites uh, Kara to the party, but she also is asking for a favor. She wants to talk to Supergirl. Yeah. So uh, after this, we've got... Um, a... And Mike ends up getting himself invited to the party. Yes, yes. So uh, going. Yeah, Kara was trying to, to not have him invited, mm-hmm. and he's like, yeah, I want to go. So he he's coming as well. Um, one of the other funny things, uh, when he introduces himself to Lena, he says, I am Mike of the interns. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was amusing this time. Yeah, I really, I really like that because clearly he has, he has no understanding of the human social mores. And so he's breaking all of these and, and the way the writers are writing it in, I think is working really well. I'm mm-hmm. having, I'm enjoying it yeah. and I think it's working out really well. So we go back to the DEO and Alex is in La La Land because she's thinking about Maggie and haven't broken up with a girlfriend, and she mm-hmm. keeps going on about Maggie to win, and Win's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, the, this was a great scene because of of 
further setting up the relationship dynamic. So uh, Wynn says to Alex, mm-hmm. I usually stay out of other people's relationships. And Alex turns right around like, uh, excuse me. Yeah, you're because, in everyone's Yeah, time. he was in everyone's with, you had Kara and himself and then Jimmy. And, and he's like, but that was different because I was into Kara. Uh, and it's he, not and like you're into this Maggie person. Exactly. And he says it very nonchalantly mm-hmm. and he doesn't think anything of saying it because, you know, he has no indication uh, of anything being otherwise. And and Alex sort of looks thoughtful at this point. And, mm-hmm. and you can clearly see that, OK, we're, she's starting to really try to evaluate the feelings that she has for Maggie. Yeah. Uh, and, and I like that. I get, and that's really all that happens in that yeah. scene. There's just to give some more to the. Right. Malik's relationship. Right. And here's one of the things I did want to talk about um, with this is we've got a lot of story threads going on here. Yeah, a lot and I and I and I wonder if we're dealing with too many, right? Like I like a lot of what's happening, but at the same time I feel like the bits are so short, you exactly. don't really get into anything. Exactly. And, and, and I think there's a bit of a disservice happening to some of the storylines and characters because of that. I think if it was scaled back a little bit, um, it would work better. You know, Kara, Alex uh, have been central characters from the beginning, so they should continue to be central characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I feel like we're just losing something in the story because we have so much going on yeah. in these episodes. But out of the DEO, we've got another attack um, they've got m- more guns. Things are floating. In yeah, the air. this is where they use the anti gravity gun, and the car launches up into Earth orbit, and Supergirl's got to save the cop. And then, like, that's basically yeah. all that happens there. That the, you do see the car freezing over because it's up in the atmosphere. But I mean, I know nothing about science, so would the guy really have died? Would he still be alive? It depends on how high they got up into the atmosphere. Because yes, the oxygen the oxygen gets thinner as you go higher, and it gets colder. But I mean, cops usually wear a ton of gear, mm-hmm. which which means they're warmer in general, just because they have so many they have so many layers on. And as long as she got to him before um, he ran out of like oxygen Excellent. entirely, he'd be okay. Like if he was out into outer space, you know, he would have burned up in atmosphere traveling through it. Probably. Well, it depends on how much speed. But anyway, <laughs> I think the science on that was okay. I don't think yeah. he was so high that he would have died. And she got to him in time, and that was okay. But what was interesting is, I mean, I didn't expect her to bring the car back down, but it was just kind of neat because she grabs the door, rips it off, pulls him out, and the car just keeps on floating up yeah. while she, she, you know, drops back down to the ground with him. But from here, we, we cut, again, real short scene, and we cut to a parking garage, and we have uh, the Cadmus lady uh, talking to the goons. And the goons are like, yeah, guns, more guns. We want to do more stuff. And she's like, you know, I've got an agenda here. This isn't about you guys, you know, getting your guns or whatever. This is about, uh, you know, aliens are bad and I'm trying to save the earth. And yeah, and I want to spread fear and discontent and to make the populace ready for our rule. Yeah. So she's trying to, she being the, this woman who's ostensibly the leader of Cadmus, you know, she's using these men as pawns in her larger endgame. Mm-hmm. And so we cut back to the attack scene. Like, this is still going on, which... Uh, no, does, it was... Yeah, it's after all... After. I'm sorry, yeah, it's, it's not done. all going on. It's after it's done. And Alex and Maggie are in the scene sort of, you know, doing their police procedural stuff. You have stuff. to say Maliks when they're Malik's. together. Malik's are at the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry. 
And Alex says something, and Maggie's like, nerd. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, Al- and Alex is essentially very badly trying to... She's not trying to put the moves on Maggie, but she is trying to put the moves mm-hmm. on Maggie. And I think it's, again, part... What's, what's clear is she very much wants to spend time with Maggie. Yes. And it's at the end of this scene that uh, Maggie kind of, like, puts it on the table, right? Yeah. Like, are you a lesbian? Right. She's like, you know, I didn't think you were gay. Mm -hmm. And Alex is like, "Uh, I'm not gay. And Maggie says something along the lines of... I've heard that from a lot of lesbian women. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So now here we've got, like, we're taking this thing and we're sort of pulling it out into the light. And I don't know about you, but I think generally speaking... They did this really well mm-hmm. because it wasn't, it was a part of the story. And we just talked a little bit about how in some ways these stories are getting short tripped. But at the same time, when they do give the story uh, some time to develop, I think it works out really well because it wasn't like a big deal throughout the, the entirety of this episode. But yet it was there the entire time. But yes, it was there the entire time. And what I really liked about it was Alex was figuring it out mm-hmm. you know it wasn't and like, it wasn't and when she did it wasn't like sexual she didn't just start making out with her or something right you know? right because if that would have happened i would have been like oh yeah yeah i no. mean that gets to your trope about what is the you know what does the lesbian bring on the second date yeah and no. and <laughs> so that yeah that would have been too easy and too cliche so i, I really like that <laughs> what it is is we're seeing that alex has complex and unknown emotions towards maggie and she's figuring them out throughout the entirety of this episode. Mm-hmm. I do think, like you said, when we got to it at the beginning of the episode, that that they just they decided to drop it yeah. and, and run with it like right away. But they did a good job in serving that story throughout the entirety of this episode. Mm-hmm. So uh, from there, we cut back to CatCo. And uh, super good. This is funny. So, Cara's trying to figure out where Mon-El is. <laughs> And, 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 you know, to your criticisms of Miss Tessmacher, um, she, Kara uses her super hearing and hears um, noises, uh, coitus I don't noises. remember what, he, what someone said in the closet, but it was funny. I don't remember what it was. I didn't even hear it. I just yeah, kind of heard something. the noises. And then she was like, oh, ew, ew, ew. Mm-hmm. And she goes and she opens the copy room closet. And, and it's it's a cliche scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Monel, uh, one of them was on the copy machine. They're both in a state of undress. Mm-hmm. And Supergirl's like, what are you doing? I know what you're doing. Stop doing it. Te- and, and this was kind of, this was I like this bit right here. Miss Tessmacher says, this isn't what it looks like. And Kara's like, uh, yeah, this is a moment where it is actually exactly what, <laughs> what it looks, looks like. like. <laughs> and then uh, Mike comes out and he's like, I think I might have more powers on Earth than we realize. <laughs> you think I could make any woman fall in love with me that quickly? <laughs> and and that that's that's him being a frat boy, right? Like mm-hmm. that's his Daxum sort of personality mm-hmm. manifesting further. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and. This is, uh, you know, this is a, a an interesting moment in the episode too because Kara sort of snaps yeah. at him and and she throws out this line that I thought was a really heavy line, which is, "You don't do your own thing here; you do my thing." Or you go find a new mentor. Yeah, and that was that was like, it was so fast, mm-hmm. but at the same time, to me, like that was a big deal. Yeah, you know, and and it, we come back around to it, but that's something that I feel got a little bit of short service in the, in this episode, like what mm-hmm. was going on between her and Monel, 
and kind of how important that is. That is, yeah. And I think it just goes back to too many storylines going at once. Right, right. But uh, uh, so we're done with that, and we go back to the DO. There's a lot of scenes in this episode. Really short scenes. Yeah, really short, lots of scenes. Now we've got Wynn doing his computery stuff, and and Jimmy just sort of nonchalantly scrolls up. And, like, hey, I missed you, dude, yeah, at Catco. Yeah, like, hey, bro, what's happening? What's going on? <laughs> Any leads on the gang? <laughs> oh, that's not obvious. Yeah, uh, and and when, you know, when being the kind of geek he is, is happy to show off his tech. And so he's telling Jimmy about how they use, you know, the information they pull in at the DEO to, to track what might be happening and to, you know, use prob- probabilistic calculations to figure out where these guys might strike. And, and he gives an example like the Federal Reserve, and we got this information, but that's not really a likely location. And Jimmy's like, oh, okay, so the Federal Reserve, huh? And then he just leaves. Yeah, and then he just walks away. <laughs> it was like, okay. Yeah, and guess where we cut to? Hmm, Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve. <laughs> and guess what happens? It becomes a location that the gang's going to hit next. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they are, you know, going to start tearing this thing up. And, money. and Jimmy's wearing a hoodie and he's got he a baseball like a bat. Yeah, he looks like a ninja. And he just starts like <laughs> wailing on these guys. Yeah. I mean, like bat to the head. Yeah. Like these are blows you don't get up yeah. from. He had some issues. He had yeah. And, and and then this dude shoots the the bat. Yeah. And Jimmy picks up like this, this diamond plate piece of metal. I, was it like, I, I thought it was like the um, back of a truck. Like. Like the like the gate or something. Yeah, well, not the gate. Like, do they have them behind the tires or something? Oh, like a mud flap kind of thing yeah, or but something. Like metal. But bigger and metal. Yeah. yeah. Either way, he essentially uses it as a shield. Oh yeah. And the the dude shoots him with the gun, and Jimmy goes flying back. Mm-hmm. And and then the and guy. Runs. <laughs> no, then the guy shoots the building. Oh yeah. And the building starts disintegrating. Yeah. Right. So how does this work when the gun doesn't do anything to Jimmy and this piece of metal he's holding, yeah. but essentially melts an entire building? Yeah. That that was a bit. That was a bit. <laughs> a stretch. Yeah, that was a bit of a stretch right, in my stretch. opinion, because the guy like doesn't flip the gun from stun mm-hmm. to you know melt. No. He just keeps shooting. <laughs> but either way, Jimmy's like everybody out of the building, and like four people run out, yeah. and the building collapses, and Jimmy runs off. Run, yeah. run, Jimmy, run. <laughs> and then we're back at Catco, and Jimmy's bandaging himself up because he mm-hmm. took some hits. Yeah. Uh, and Wynn walks up to him and, like, pokes him, no, right? No, not right away. He's like, I thought male corsets went on the 1800s. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and then he's like, you know, I hacked into the footage, and Wynn ain't wait, no Wait, wait, no, wait, wait, wait. Jimmy's like, oh, yeah, I got hurt playing basketball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> then he pokes him. Yeah. So, yeah, that's when Wynn, like, jabs him right in the injury, and he says, look, I'm not an idiot. I looked at the footage, and he shows him the footage. You can clearly see Jimmy because the hoodie flew off. And Jimmy's, off. like, refusing to look at it. Yeah, Jimmy won't look at it. But but this is where, uh, you know, they go on back and forth, and, and Wynn's like, dude, you got to, you know, be happy with your place in life. Our job is to, you know, fight with knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and Jimmy's like, you know, I want to do this. I need to do this. It's like my whole life. I've been a sidekick. Yeah. You know, first a Superman, now a Supergirl. And mm-hmm. I need more. And I need to be I, a I hero. I need to physically beat up people instead of using my brain. Right. He didn't say that, but that's what I got from that's, that. Yeah, that's basically what I got. Now, one of the best lines out of this, though, is they're going back and forth in this whole thing. Uh, and Wynn's like, you know, you're not a superhero. You don't have powers. You're just tall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that line. But uh, <laughs> when... Uh, when Jimmy wants Wynn to build him a suit. Yeah. 
and and initially wins like no way, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Jimmy basically says, you know, I'm going to keep doing this with your help or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're moving closer and closer to the Guardian, right? Like this is obviously going to be happening. And now we're back to Alex. We're at Kara's apartment. Alex is standing at the door eating a donut. Kara stomps up. They're both of them frustrated. Yeah. And they walk in and and they're kind of having a little bit of back and forth. And you, and you think for a moment that we're going to get some Alex mm-hmm. and some Malix development here. Yeah. But it's all about Kara. And Monel. And Monel. Right. And and the fact that Kara is trying to make Monel be uh, um, the male like version her. of her. And Alex is like, you can't do that. You know, I tried to do the same thing to you mm-hmm. when, when you first showed up. You got to let Monel be Monel. And, you know, she's like, you know, what? the same music and you know i made you watch the horror movies and alex made her watch it and stuff and um then i, I let you do your own thing because i realized you know that's what you needed and um the one line in there about nsync was not weird <laughs> they're amazing that <laughs> no, was good that made me laugh yeah it was pretty funny um and and this is and this really frustrated me, actually, because... When Alex just started to say she was a lesbian, and then there's a knock on the door? Yes. Yeah, we were actually about to get some Alex, and then the, a knock on the door, and Lena's there, and she had previously invited Kara to the to the party, and now she shows up the, at the apartment, and she's asking for her favor from Kara, the favor in return for having given the location to the Fight Club. Uh, mm-hmm. Was it last week's episode? Yeah, last yeah week. in last week's episode, which is that she wants to talk to Supergirl, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we're that's it. It. yeah, and, and that's then it. We go to another scene. Yeah, and, and this next scene cut is is now like in the subway. Apparently, Cadmus just doesn't have a headquarters no, because they like to meet maybe. in all of like Creepy, the, the stereotypical areas. like bad guy locations, uh-huh. a parking garage, uh, sort of under the bridge slash near the subway location. And if I was a bad guy, I mean, my lair would be beautiful and awesome and full of cats right? and not in a subway. That's just, <laughs> it's got to smell. It's got to smell down there, people. And that's no doubt. gross. Yeah. So the gang <clears throat> wants to take out Lena's party. And the the Cadmus later lady is like... And the reason why they want to go is just to steal jewels off of people's necks. Right. I'm like, okay, you have these guns. You know, the Federal Reserve didn't work out because Jimmy was there, whatever. But there's lots of other banks and big places like that around town. You know how hard it is to fence jewels? It's not easy, people. <laughs> Come on, use your brain if you're going to be bad. But here's the thing, right? Like, Ugh. these goons have been one note the whole episode. I know, but still. I mean, total one note. And and I was disappointed by that. Not that, you know, we necessarily need complex goons. But they were just thugs. Yeah. And they were pawns in Cadmus's game. Mm-hmm. And what doesn't make any sense to me is that Cadmus has manpower, right? So they could have sent out some guys. Intelligent people. Intelligent people to do this a little mm-hmm. bit more tactically. But instead, like, they're literally... Literally are, are essentially giving guns to children mm-hmm. in a sense in order to stir up fear. Uh, but she does not want them to hit the party. She's mm-hmm. she's basically like, you don't mess with the Luther. Yeah. And and initially it just seems like whatever, it doesn't fit her endgame, you know, that's fine. And and they they want to do it anyway. And she says, Well, if you're gonna do it, you're doing it on your own. I've got no part of this. You use what you have. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she walks away. Well, before that, he walks up to her with a gun and oh, yeah, he's yeah, he's threatening. And she's like, you know, I'm going up against all these aliens and stuff. What do you really think I'm afraid of you? Mm-hmm. And then she just walks away. She's yeah. like, Whatever, dude. Yeah, and the guys are like, Well, we're gonna hit that party. Yeah. So and like- and we're back at Lena's office. Mm-hmm. Supergirl drops in. And uh, 
she is invited by Lena to come to the party. So she can protect it. So she can be a bodyguard, essentially. Yeah. Lena's party's bodyguard. Which, I'm conflicted about this, right? Because if Supergirl's suddenly going to be doing favors like guarding a party, yeah, that's like... Taking away her superpowers. Yeah. She's not security. Yeah, security. exactly. She's not security. And that's not to say that she shouldn't be prepared to respond to something like yeah. that, right? But to show up and to be the guard at the party. Yeah. And and this is something, uh, well, and we'll get to that. And Supergirl's like, you know, you really shouldn't do this. And she, Luther's like, you, you can't live in fear. Now, once again, watch this scene when you watch it. I swear, you know, maybe it's just my brain, but like Lena's voice is changing into sexy seductress when she's talking to Supergirl. So I'm going to have to rewatch these scenes. See if I'm 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 sick, I'm on cold medicine, I don't know. <laughs> maybe but maybe just, you're a little deluded here. Just let me know people cuz <laughs> I need to know if this is the truth or if I'm just seeing lesbians everywhere, I don't know. Right. But Supergirl's trying to convince her to not run the party and and Lena's like, "No, we're going to do the party." Um so Supergirl agrees to show up and, and basically be security, mm-hmm. like to be a bodyguard. Uh, but on the way out, she's like, oh, crap, car is supposed to be there, too. How yeah. How am I going to do this? Right. And and I was let down by the next scene, yeah. which was the fundraiser. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be more fun than it was because we, we start with Wynn doing his little science talk. He has some science weapons detector in his hands. Uh, and, and he's walking with Kara, and she's like, commence Operation Doubtfire. Mm-hmm. So you're, you we're clearly going to see some Supergirl slash Kara juggling back and forth. And I was looking forward to some of this and some lighthearted fun with that. Yeah. But we literally just got like one quick exchange. Kara's there. Wynn dumps a drink on Lena. Kara takes off and Supergirl drops in. And Supergirl's like, I'm here. I'll report back if there's any signs of danger. And yeah. then she flies away. And, and then James is there. And right. Kara's stuffing her face. And Mike's like, what's your name, beautiful? <laughs> And then she turns around and he's like, oh, it's, oh, it's you. you. Yeah. But <laughs> Ari can't talk because her mouth is full. Like she's stuffing her face full of dumplings or whatever. <laughs> she had like was. eight in her she hands. Had, was, that was awesome. funny. That was funny. Yeah. I really like now, that. Now, here's another part. Um, mm-hmm. She's like, oh, nice suit. Where'd you get it from? And he's like, Miss Tess, well, whatever her first name is, but Miss mm-hmm. Tessmacher gave me her credit card. Her plastic card yeah, her to plastic buy card. things. Okay. Come on. Yeah. No. No. <laughs> Yeah, we don't need a sugar mama from on out. So, the dudes show up with oh, the guns. Oh, no, what no, was no, no. funny, though, too, before, this was funny. Um, when they see Kara and Mike talking, and oh. then Wynn and James are over to the side, and Wynn's like, there's no way Kara can be into him. Right, right. Like, if he wasn't into Jim, Us. Jim Yeah, James she can't or, be into him. Yeah. Right, because they were dancing is what happened. They oh, both yeah, were yeah. like, you know. We used to dance on my planet. Exactly. So they're dancing, and that's when they say that. And I agree with you. Like, I really hope that it's not. If they not, get together, I will. No. Mm-hmm. No. We, we are not Mara shippers here. No. Not Mara shippers. Uh, so they're dancing, and uh, you know we've got the party being crashed. Like the bad guys show up. Oh, guns! We're bad. And then Lena's like, "You picked the wrong party to crash." <laughs> they start ripping necklaces off of these guys, these these people, and then they're shooting stuff around. Supergirl comes in, and she's like laser eyeing at these guys. James wants to lay the smackdown. Yeah, because you can see you can see. Yeah, he he in. does like an Arthur fist. Ooh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Like the new the the new Arthur meme is going to be Jimmy Olsen's fist uh-huh. instead. But but. Uh, you know, things are going crazy, and Wynn and Lena end up underneath the table. And and Lena had already been underneath the table, 
and Wynn like runs under there to try to to, to well, hide. He was getting shot at. Yeah, he yeah. was getting shot at, and he's like, uh, "Hi, what Although are you doing down here?" Going underneath a table that just has a tablecloth that's that going to stop whatever it's getting <laughs> right. Shot. The guns that can melt buildings. Yeah, but okay. But Lena's got this like cylindrical looking thing, and she's like doing stuff to it, and. Uh, and and turns out that this whole fundraiser was a trap for these bad guys. See, and now here, if she would have told Supergirl that was her plan, I would have been fine with Supergirl doing security. Yeah. You know, because they're making a plan and they're catching the bad guys. Exactly. But just that Supergirl didn't know it was like that and that, no, I did not like that. I, I and, and I especially didn't like it because... To me, that whole setup was too easy, right? Like this is this has been the course of like what a day? Yeah, maybe two. So how long has this gala been planned? Yeah. Right, because you don't just plan a gala in a day. Well, if you got lots of money, I, I guess mean, you can. But yeah, but no. but no, you don't plan a gala in a day. Something like that yeah. takes weeks or months, months. to plan. Mm -hmm. But what we find out under the table as Wynn is sort of trying to help uh, Lena get this thing working, because even though this whole thing was a plan to try to get the bad guys. Her tool to trap the bad it's guys not is not working. So they talk through it. They're yeah. nerdy electronical stuff together, and then they figure it out at like the same time. Right. So no, I do not want <laughs> Lena and Win together either. <laughs> she just has to be evil. That's all she needs. <laughs> well, I would be okay with Win and I Lena being together, would. especially because like when they were under the table, kind of nerding out about the science. I really like that and. And that just helps elevate Lena even further as a character, right? Because, I mean, she's already running Luther Corp. Uh, she's a smart woman. Uh, she's motivated. She, Even though I don't agree with the idea of her, you know, the story, I don't agree with the way it was written in terms of, like, this setup of her having this party plan just to trap these bad guys yeah. because it doesn't really work, right? I mean, it, it doesn't happen that way. Um, I like that in her as a character. So them being together, I think, would be all right. But either way, boom, she hits the button. The guns just, like, float up into the air and explode. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then they have then the bad guys. They're like, we stopped it, and everyone is smiling, and nobody is capturing the bad guys. <laughs> I mean, literally, they have, like, shit-eating grins on their faces and, like, looking at each other, but we don't need to capture the bad guys. Right. Like, so, what the hell? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so from here we cut to the police station and Maggie's got the bad guys so despite the fact that nobody was rounding them up somebody rounded them yeah. up and she's about to load them into uh, a perp van so they can drive them off to wherever they're going to go and and the, the one dude again you know these one note villains he's like uh, you know I can tell you who gave us the guns I can give you information blah 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 I want to deal with the DA yeah I want a deal and she's like okay well give me some information he's like not until I get my deal and then you hear um, a voice inside of his head. Yeah, a voice inside of his head. Cadmus Lady's voice. And I don't even remember what she said. I don't even I, think it matters. It didn't matter. It was just all kind of big, loud, kind of evilly. Basically, you're, yeah. we're not going to let you get away with this. And then we're going to explode your brain inside your head and you're dead now. And <laughs> that's exactly what happens. They, they, their brains essentially melt. All three of the, the, the bad guys die. And then you see this car drive by, and she's in it with some... It looked, honestly, the to remote. me like a walkie-talkie, but oh, yeah. it was clearly the remote she used yeah. to melt their brains. I, I don't know if she had some sort of chips in their brains or some sort of special brain, idiot brain targeting <laughs> <laughs> device, whatever it was. Did, then more people's brains in there yeah. blow up. But. They're and dead. And once again, I mean, it's a short scene. This was like a minute long. If yeah, that, you know? barely. You know, it was just, you know, driving this story forward further. But the reason why they needed this is so Maggie could be even more depressed in a bit. Right. 
And and that leads us right into the next scene, which is we're at the bar again with oh, Malik. No, no, we go back to Catco first. Oh, I missed. And okay, here, I apologize. When says he'll help Jimmy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, my bad. They're both like, yeah, being a hero is addictive. Giggle, giggle, slap each other on the back. <laughs> and then Wynn's like, so what's your superhero gonna, name gonna be? And Jimmy's like, when we're ready, everyone will know my superhero name. And I'm like, come on. So when when already had some suit ideas in mind, which. Um, I think I hope they have some fun with that because I think we have the potential to have some fun with that. But if it's just like, here's your suit, go be the guardian, I'll be a little disappointed, right? Because I hope when, there's a montage. <laughs> well, I, maybe not a montage, <laughs> but they, they better have some fun with it. Yeah. One of the other fun moments in that scene was uh, Wynn basically coming around to the idea that, you know, you can do greater things because he talks about, you know, when I was here at CatCo, my whole job was, you know, keeping up the firewall so that people can't essentially bust into our servers and find out the latest celebrity gossip or how much Cat uh, spends at Barney's. And it's a lot of money. And it's a lot more than you think she spends at Barney's. And that, that part was amusing. But uh, uh, from there, yeah, we actually go from CatCo now over to the DEO. Mm-hmm. Uh, Monel is sleeping on his cot. Cots? Yeah. You I think thought, they would have a room for him? Yeah. I don't know why he's sleeping there because he woke up at Cara's. Yeah. So this has all transpired in the course of like a day. And like the room he was in, it was like it wasn't like a room. Like, it wasn't a holding a cell, right? It's like here's a cot. That, it's just like a random cot weird. he was sitting in. Either way, Carl walks in and and wakes him up, and he's like, uh, "I'm not Am late. I late." She's like, "No, you're fired. <laughs> you got fired." She yeah. says, "Not not that she fired him, but I, but that I thought was amusing." And uh, and they had a little like heart to heart here. Yeah, it's like you know you got to go your own way. Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. And if he becomes a reporter, I will scream. <laughs> I will scream very I don't loudly. think he's going to become a reporter. Thank God. But uh, but again, like this this was a nice scene, and this was the the logical conclusion of, of what was set up through the whole episode, which is her realizing that she's got to let him be him, and she can help him. The best line I thought in that entire scene was when he said, uh, "You're you're are you mad at me or something like that?" And she said, "Well, I have a feeling I'm going to kind of always be a little bit mad at you, just because he's not the kind of." She doesn't always agree with the kind of things that he's going to do, but she's also saying in this scene that, you know, she's going to be okay with that, that that she wants him to be him. He's got to be able to be him. My favorite line in that scene was, what's a strip club? Yeah. <laughs> she gives him a guide to National City, and he flips right to that, and then she she takes it and she rips the page out, which which was a, which was fun. That was a, a good way to close that. And maybe he'll become a stripper. Right. That, that I'm fine with. Yeah, that would actually, that would be really <laughs> funny. I would re- That would be really funny. It could be amusing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and she also reinforces the fact that he still needs to get a job. Mm-hmm. And then we switch over to the bar with yes. Malix. And Maggie is doing shots because she feels like crap because... Her perps got killed. And her girlfriend broke up with her, yes. and her life is terrible right now. Mm-hmm. And Alex walks in and speechifies a little bit yes. about her. But she never says it. Yeah, she never actually says it. But we know it. And what she's saying basically is, you know, my whole life has been about being perfect. Uh, but I was never perfect at dating and just kind of thought that maybe I just wasn't built that way. Uh and, and the whole time, again, she never says it, but it's pretty clear that that when she's talking about her dating life in the past and how she's never been good at it and intimacy was never really her thing, it's always been with guys. And and now she's she says here, you know, I, I can't stop I thinking about... And she sort of stops there and Maggie says, what? And, and Alex comes back and says that maybe there's some truth to what you said about me. Mm-hmm. So, like, she doesn't just say, I'm gay. And I love that, right? Yeah. I love the fact that it's not, 
And it's not to say that some people don't just have this switch sort of flip or this realization or epiphany and come to that conclusion, right? I mean, that's a perfectly valid experience for a person to have. But at least here for Alex and, and for the purposes of the story, I love that she's struggling with it and she's really trying to understand and figure this out. And then we go back to El Corp and uh, the doctor walks in, the evil Cadmus yeah. doctor. Yeah, the evil Cadmus doctor walks in and that is Lena's mom. Yes. Now, is it her real mom? Is it her... It's her adopted mom. Adopted mom? Yeah, because she's... So it's a Luther, then. It's a, Yeah, it's a Luther. Okay. Lena is an adopted Luther, but yeah. this is Lex's biological mom, her adopted mom. Oh, uh, and her is an evil person. I'm just not enjoying it. Yeah, I agree. She's, as as a leader of Cadmus, she is not... In my opinion, she has not been a great villain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, her whole sort of speechifying about the alien thing... And she said, I'm doing this to protect my children. Yeah. Okay. I don't get I, that. Uh, maybe we need to I mean, maybe, be, well, okay, it makes more sense now, and, and I can't... Re- Superman. Right, Superman Luther. and Lex, yeah. right? That part makes perfect sense. So her motivations are clear, uh, but I agree that she's not a strong villain yet. No. I hope she develops into a better villain. Um, but if we're just dealing with, like, an evil tiger just mom, revenge. kind or, of. You know, just revenge. Yeah. You know, that's what she wants. Yeah, it seems like all she wants is revenge, and it doesn't make sense that she would be taking her revenge on Supergirl, because if she's doing it for her son, it should be on Superman. Then her beef should be with Superman, mm-hmm. exactly. So, I mean, that dynamic could be interesting, and you know, if um, Lena, Lena, <laughs> isn't if she doesn't turn evil. And later on in the series, when she does find out that her mom is evil, you know, that can make for some interesting. Yeah. Show. Yeah, that could set up a really good storyline, I think, because you're right. That's, you know, she's she clearly has some family loyalty because she is trying to, in ways, redeem the Luther name mm-hmm. with uh, with her actions and with Elcorp. And even though she's sort of moving away from the Luther name by rebranding the company, she is at the same time trying to prove that. Not all Luthers are evil. Not all Luthers are evil. <laughs> but and... wait, mom is too. So <laughs> right. I guess all Luthers are evil. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, all in all, I enjoyed this episode. Mm-hmm. I think it was, you know... It's my favorite one so far. Yeah. Well, I... It's I, my favorite one so far. No, it can be your favorite one. <laughs> I was going to say this is would be my second favorite. I think the premiere of this season, of this season, was my favorite episode still. Um, because I think the dynamic that they they launched with between Superman and Supergirl worked out really really well, and that was a fun episode because of that. Um, but this was the set my second favorite of the season so far. I love what they're doing with with Malix, uh, and I'm I'm a shipper. Uh, I'm on board with that 100. Uh, percent I'm also uh, would we call it a Lynn or a, a Wena? <laughs> no, no, no. I'd be on board with Lynn and Wena. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Win and Wina. No. And I do hope they develop Miss Tessmacher more. I, it, but but I'm not saying I want Miss Tessmacher to have another giant uh, a giant story arc, no. right? Because we already have too many characters. Just don't make her a one note, one dimensional mm-hmm. sort of airheaded in love with Monel woman. Um, you know, it's and it's fine if she's crushes on Monel. I mean. Whatever, but Give just your credit card. Oh <laughs> my god! I don't know. To me, that just it had a. I don't know. It just left a bad taste in my mouth. I guess just like abusive woman. Not quite that far, but right. You know, I like, I can ugh. totally see what why that would do that. You know, I mean, from my I 
I'm coming from a male point of view, so it's something that I'm not, I mean, I literally can't, I, I can cognitively, cognitively understand what you're saying, right? But it's something that, that I can't feel the same way about just because I don't have your same perspective. But I, I totally get what you're coming from, right? Because that could, in a different light, that could be a totally abusive relationship, right? I mean, that could, this has sort of been the, the whole Monel um, um, Miss Tessmacher is sort of like a very, very, very early version of what you could see the, the what has turned into the Joker Harley relationship, right? No. Where, where the Joker is super abusive to Harley, yeah. but Harley is totally adoring. And I'm not saying that's what they're going to do no. with that. I hope not. But you know, if if you want to extrapolate out where those kind of tendencies could go, then that's where you could see that leading, and that's not a good thing to portray. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't think Monel is as evil as the Joker. No, but yeah. No, and and I mean, you know, at least in the canon, in the comic book, he ends up putting on a cape and, you know, being a good guy. And if I recall correctly, he actually joins the Justice League for a bit. So, I mean, he's not a quote-unquote bad guy, but that doesn't mean he can't hurt people, you know, intentionally or unintentionally, but through his actions, you know, depending on what happens. So, we'll see what happens there. Uh, We'd love to know what you guys think of this episode. So, you can let us know in the comments or you can tweet me at Heniotis. And you can tweet Kim at kheniatis. And make sure to watch Supergirl every Monday. And then check out the podcast every Wednesday.